0: Ramkata Rasavahini, Chapter 10 The Two Boons Aandachhaya Ramranema hai Gatui Yajjaya Gatui Yajjapata hai Vedic hymns echoed everywhere For the ceremonial bath of Rama and Sita The holy water of the Sarayu was brought in pots of gold by attendants Pandits recited hymns calling down benediction on them The recitation was most heartening and pleasant to the ear While Mantara, the maid of KKE, was returning the previous night, she witnessed the excitement of the populace and asked someone the reason. She came to know about the imminent coronation of Ramachandra, which was the cause of all the joy and exultation. She also saw the mates of the palaces of Kausalya and Sumitra dressed in jasmine-white saris and bedecked in costly jewels, hurrying hither and thither. She could not bear the sight any longer. She had creeps all over her body like scorpion stings in plenty. She ran towards the palace of KKE and finding that the queen had already retired into the inner apartments, she neared the door and shrieked. Mother, mother, open the door. A very urgent matter now. Your life itself is in mortal danger. An earthquake is afoot. Hearing her excited announcement in words that rolled one over the other, the queen hastily opened the door and inquired in fear. Why? What has happened? What is the calamity? Has anything caved in? Why all this anxiety and pain? No, nothing of mine is destroyed. Your life is being destroyed, that is all. You have to live henceforward as a crazy careworm woman. Mantara said. All in tears she elaborated the pitiable state that awaited the queen, and with many a gesture and groan she lamented loud and long. KK could not make out why. The Maharaja is quite well, isn't he? And Rama Lakshmana. Kausalya Sumitra. There is nothing the matter with them. Well, If these are quite well and no danger threatens them, I am not worried at all. What can happen to me? Has any danger come to them? Tell me, Mantara. Tell me soon. The queen insisted. She turned the maid's head towards her, held her chin in endearing appeal and pleaded for an answer. Mantara replied, Nothing evil has happened to those whom you mention, but... They have decided to wring the neck of your son. And she broke into a pathetic wail. At this, KK retorted, You are committing a mistake, Mantara. The Maharaja is not such a person, nor is Rama or Lakshmana or my sisters, Kausalya and Sumitra. These, my sisters, love my son even more than their own sons. Your statement reveals your warped mind, that is all. It is not the truth. Well, you have not told me yet what the matter really is. Come on, tell me the full story. Mantara answered, Matter? At dawn tomorrow, Ramachandra is to be crowned raja The senior queen, her mind full of unrestrained joy, is giving away costly silk saris and jewels to her mates. She is asking Rama to give away gold and cows in plenty. Engaged in all these activities of celebration, they are neglecting you. I cannot bear this in silence. I cannot tolerate it. You are unable to understand the implications. You revel in the empty boast that there is none so fortunate. Your fortune is drying up fast. For your husband and co-wives, you have become a negligible person. Before long, you will be reduced to the despicable status of a maid. Be advised to be a little alert before that humiliation overtakes you. Awake from sleep. Plan your course of action with full awareness of the consequences. Decide upon the means by which you can escape from the calamity that yawns before you. It is approaching fast. When Rama becomes your Raja, the entire empire will be held in the grasp of kausalya Remember, just as everyone else, you two will have to dance to a tune. Mantara was acting a role and shedding false tears to reinforce her wily stratagem. Kaikai was impressed by her loyalty, but she was not convinced of the rightness of her arguments. She said, Mantara, what has happened to you? Have you become insane? Why do you talk like mad? Rama becoming the Yoraja is the happiest augury for the entire empire. Here, take this necklace of mine as a reward, a gift for bringing me this great good news first. Be happy, be full of joy. The coronation of Rama as raja gives me even more joy than perhaps to Kausalya. My joy at this good news is boundless. Ramachandra too loves me more than he does even his mother. He reveres me more I will not listen to such imputations against such a pure loving person. You seem to have lost your wits. Your reason has taken leave of you. K.K. reprimanded Mantara sharply. Mantara became even more demonstratively aggrieved. She got more excited and clamorous. My reason is clear and fresh. It is yours that has suffered. You are not concerned about the evil fate that awaits you. You hug blindly your old faith and fond attachment. I am anxious and worried for the sake of your happiness and self-respect. The others are all play-acting and pretending just to deceive you. They have no respect for you in their hearts. The Maharaja has no love towards his other queens. He is enamored only of the senior queen, Kausalya. Just to please you, he might use endearing words now and then, that is all. But he has no love in his heart towards you. Consider this. These people did not inform you. They did not consult you about this proposal. For they have no regard or respect for you. Have they spoken to you about it even once on one single day? Consider how many months they usually deliberate and plan in order to come to such a decision. You cannot have a coronation so suddenly. It doesn't drop from the sky one fine day on its own, can it? But they have decided silently and secretly, the whole thing is the intrigue of Kausalya, asserted Mantara. Gai could not suffer it any longer. She burst out. Stop that stuff Mantara. My sister is incapable of intrigue. She will never descend so low. It can never be. And the Maharaja, He is much nobler, more righteous than even my sisters. You cannot find in him a trace of subterfuge or meanness. They must have resolved upon the coronation quickly for good reason. The wedding celebration of Rama which would have involved months of preparation took place at short time, didn't it? So too, the coronation of Rama might have been decided at short notice. Why should it not be? The Maharaja himself will reveal to me the special reason that induced him to arrange itself. You have not cared to know the truth. You have conjured up all kinds of absurd reasons and baseless fears and cast doubts on the motives of innocent persons. In a few minutes, things will be clarified. Have patience. K.K. admonished the maid severely. Mantara feared that a stratagem will fail ignominiously. So, she stooped to even worse tactics of persuasion. Dear mother, ponder over the matter a little more deeply. I have listened to many things while moving about outside the palace. In fact, this coronation affair has been decided upon months ago. That is the reason why Bharata and Chaturna were packed out of the capital. They were apprehending that their presence here will cause complications. And there must be good ground for such fears or else who will arrange for the coronation when they are away? Have you become incapable of asking yourself this simple question? Formerly, when you were accepted in marriage, Dasharatha had promised and given his plighted word that the son born of you will be crowned king of this realm. You might forget it, but I refuse too. It is the fear that the presence of Bharata here at the present juncture might rouse the memory of that promise and prove an obstacle to their plan which made them keep Bharata out of the way by sending him to his grandfather's place. When once the coronation is accomplished, nothing can be done to reverse it. To promote this mean trick, they kept the idea secret and kept it from you so long. Think about this for a while, the inner design. You do not spend any thought on such matters. You believe all that is white is milk. Your foolishness and innocence are taken advantage by others. You simply exult in your love for Rama and recite Rama, Rama in your infatuation. Well, leave everything else aside. Did that Rama, whom you love so greatly, did he at least inform you of this great good fortune happening to him? The crooked-minded Mantara used many a cunning argument to cloud and poison the pure, unselfish mind of K.K. She said, Mother, who is there in this city of Ayodhya willing to pay some little regard to us? Who treats you here as worthy of count? They are all one united against you. You are a stranger here. They might even throw you out of Ayodhya shortly. They will not desist from even such meanness. The emperor is a crafty trickster. A clever juggler. When he approaches you, he speaks soft endearment to satisfy his whims and then he departs triumphant. You do not realize the fault in you which is preventing you from attaining the high status you deserve. Mother, you may remember the kings are ever ruled by lust and not by love. Your father knew this fact And so he did not agree to give you in marriage to this aged suitor. After prolonged negotiations, through the intercession of sage Gargha, when it was decided that you be given in marriage, the suitor was compelled to agree to many conditions. This day, those agreements have been cast into flames and your son has been cheated. All the while, they are quietly playing their merry drama. Else, why should they take advantage of this chance of your son being away? Why should they be in such a hurry that no ruler can attend the coronation from any state beyond the bounds of the empire? Consider how their low mentality reveals itself. How full of mischief and deceit are they? When neighboring rulers are invited, your father will certainly not miss the opportunity to attend. Naturally, he will then bring to the notice of all the promise made to him. So, the plan is to get through the coronation without informing anyone. And once it is over, they know nothing can be done to undo it. This conspiracy is hatched with this objective. So, be warned in time. Once this moment is missed, your fate will be as contemptible as that of a dog. Therefore, delay not, ponder deeply, decide upon some method of preventing the coronation from taking place. Mantara fanned the flames of anger and hatred. Kaiki succumbed to her machinations at last. She said, Hearing your words, I feel that each statement is more convincing than the previous one. Yes, indeed, there is no matter that can wait. What has to be done next? If you can indicate the step I have to take, I shall put it into action. When KK gave this clear sign of having been won over by her wiles, Mantara was overwhelmed with pride and joy. She spoke with greater assurance now. Mother, there is no need to spend further thought. The arguments that can support your demand are ready and strong. That day, when the emperor thankfully accepted your timely help, did he not offer you two boons, any two you might demand of him? And did you not tell him that since you had no need of them for anything, you would reserve the gift and ask for the two boons when the need arose? This day, these two will serve a thousand purposes. You can demand that he grant them now, can't you? When Mantara spoke thus, plainly and emphatically, Keike raised her head as if she was startled and said, Oh, Mantara, how clever you are. Though in appearance you are an ugly hunchback, In resourcefulness and intelligence, you are extremely charming. Though wanting in beauty of body, you make up by being an expert in intellectual attainments. Tell me how I am to secure these two boons and what those boons are to be. Mantara replied, Mother, One boon shall be that your son shall be crowned your Raja. The second can well be that drama shall not stay in the empire. Listening to a suggestions given on the spot without a moment's thought, KK fell in a trough of reflection. She said after recovering herself, Mantara, it may be a just demand that my son should be crowned, but my mind will not agree to send Rama out of the kingdom. I am pained at the very thought. With that, she dropped into a seat. Mantara saw that she must act quickly. Mother, this is no occasion for sentimental qualms. Procrastination turns even ambrosia into poison. You have to be a little firm or else we cannot succeed in our plan. For the cruel wrong done by them, this is no adequate reprisal. If you decide that your son must rule as king and that you should have the status of the queen mother, then act this way or I shall end my life by taking poison. I cannot bear to see you suffer while I am alive. Mantara wept aloud, as if she was carried away by intense love towards Kekai. She was the nurse who brought up Kekai from childhood. She had petted her, played with her and fondled her all these years. Towards Mantara, Kekai had great affection and regard. She raised no further objection. She started to calm her sorrow instead. Mantara, rest assured, I shall without fail act in such a way that you are pleased. Tell me how shall I act now, she said. Mantara replied, when I suggested that you should ask that Rama be sent into exile into the forests beyond the realm, Do not imagine that I had not weighed the consequences. I did it only after due deliberation. Since Gaikeyu was a child in political affairs and legal law, she said, the law declares that unhampered possession and enjoyment of usufruct for 12 continuous years gives the person ownership of the property. It is better to fix a length of years for the exile, say, 14 years. When he returns after that period, he cannot claim the kingdom. It becomes the unquestioned property of your son. Mantara noticed that the queen had accepted the proposal to ask for the two promised boons in a form suggested by her. So, she said, mother. Don't delay further. If you beg him for the boons just as you are now, the emperor will be persuaded to yield. You must work up a wave of rage. Scatter the pillows and sheets in your bedroom. Throw off your jewels into the corners. Loosen the hair and make it wild and disheveled. Act as if you have resolved to keep up your life. Go and lie down on the floor of the Hall of Anger. The room where the queens who are overcome by anger and grief retire so that they may be discovered and consoled. You cannot just go to him as you are and straight away ask for the boons. Pretend that you are in desperate agony and that only the grant of the boons can save you from death. Then only will your demand be worthy of consideration and acceptance. Rise. Take the first step for the work ahead. When Mantara pressed her thus, K.K. yielded to her persuasion and after carrying out her directions, she entered the anger hall and lamented at her fate an impending calamity. Mantara flopped on the floor outside the door of that hall after drawing the doors together as if she was unaware of what was causing all the furore inside. Meanwhile, the emperor had finished making all arrangements for the coronation ceremony and when he emerged from the Darbar hall, he felt that instead of proceeding to the apartments of Kausalya, he should communicate the happy tidings to Kaikai first. So, he hurried towards her palace. The maids, who stood at attention all along the passage, appeared upset with anxiety. The emperor argued within himself that they had not heard the good news, for it would have lit up their faces. He pitied them that they did not know that Rama was to be crowned the next day He directed his steps to the bedroom where he expected the queen to be. There his eyes fell on the scattered jewels, the unkempt pet, the heaps on the floor and the general state of untidiness and distraction. He was surprised at all this and searched for the queen in the room, peeping into corners a maid-in-waiting announced Maharaja Her Highness KK Devi is now in the hall of anger hearing this he was gravely upset he turned his steps in that direction KK was sprawling on the floor in the blinding darkness of the room wailing and weeping he said KK What ugly scene is this? Why are you so angry? Who caused you so much sorrow? Tell me, I shall kill them this very moment. I shall comfort joy on you. You have only to tell me what you deserve. I am ever ready to fulfill your wish. Your joy is my joy. Don't you know that I have nothing in this world higher and dearer than you? Come, do not test me further. Tell me, the emperor, sat by her side and caressing her head, he consoled her in various ways and questioned her about the reason for her anger and grief. Keke was in a fit of rage. She gnashed her teeth noisily. She threw aside the hands of the emperor when he tried to fondle her. She said angrily, Enough of this false pretense. I put faith in you so long and this is the degradation I have brought on myself. I do not trust you anymore. I could not believe that you are capable of this hypocritical game. Is this the punishment for putting faith in you? Go. Go to your favorites. Why sit here by my side? You mod gag your mind in one place and your tongue in another. Give your tongue to the place where you have given your mind. I am not in a mood hereafter to place faith in her words. Do not inflict more sorrow on me, but go back the way you came. Why do you care what happens to me? Better to die as a queen than drag on as a slave. This is the last day of my life. These wailings... Heard between the sobs and sighs conveyed no meaning to Dasharatha. He was utterly confused and tried to console her and assuage her anger. Kei he began, what do these words mean? I do not understand. I never use false hypocritical words, nor can I ever use them. My mind and tongue act in unison. They will ever be the same. Where my love is, there my sweet expressions will be. My tongue will not falsify my mind. It is impossible for it so to behave. I do not know how it has happened, how you have not been able to know me and my sincerity in spite of the lapse of many years. Without telling me plainly what has actually happened to give you so much grief and pain, do not torture me like this. Tell me, what has happened? Why are you behaving like this? What has caused you this agony? Dasharatha pleaded piteously for a long time, but with no effect. The queen only retorted sharply, brushed aside with effrontery, ridiculed sarcastically and turned deaf ear to the importunities of the emperor. She pretended as if she treated his words as of no worth. Dasharata was wounded very deep in his heart. Not knowing what to do, he called Mantara in. She rushed in, play acting her conspiratorial role, shrieking for help for the queen, her mistress. O oh king, save my mother! She cried and clasped the feet of the Emperor. The Emperor was really the embodiment of innocence. He had no trace of duplicity in him. So he could not see through the trauma they were enacting. He feared that some calamity must have happened to make his beloved so powerless and stern. So he asked Mantara again to tell him what exactly had taken place. Mantara said, Maharaja, what can I tell you? I am not aware of the least bit of what happened. Mother does not divulge the reason for her anger to anyone. All of a sudden she hastened from the bedroom into this hole of anger. Noticing this, I came here. People prayed and pleaded in various ways. But she does not disclose the reason. She does not confide even to you. Will she then reveal it to poor me? We see her suffering and agony. It is unbearable. We cannot simply look on any longer. We are afraid of what might happen to her and so we have been waiting for your arrival. Unless you comfort her and bring joy into her mind, her condition might become critical. She has suffered too deeply and too long. Her condition is growing worse every moment. We will retire now. Mantara left the hall with the other maids, saying, Please find out from her the reason for her grief and anger and pacify her soon by appropriate remedies. Mantara only added to the mystery and Dasharatha was even more confused by her statements. He sat by the side of the disconsolate queen and said, Kai, kai why do you keep me in the dark? He gently lifted the head of the queen from the bare floor and placed it on his lap and sought to persuade her to reveal to him the reason for her inconsolable suffering. After some time, Kaikeyi shook off her silence and began to speak. Maharaja, you haven't forgotten, have you? The two boons you promised to confer on me that day during the battle between the Devas and asuras?" Dasharatha was relieved. He said, Kaikeyi, Why have you put yourself into all this temper and pain for the sake of this simple thing? I will not forget the promise of the two boons so long as there is life in me. That promise is as dear to me as KKE herself. You are the breath of my life and the promise too is as the breath. Queen, has anyone harmed you or is your health affected adversely? Or has any wicked person dared act against your will? Speak. For your sake, I shall face even mortal injury and punish them so that happiness may be restored to you. Do not doubt me. Oh, embodiment of charm. Why do you suffer this? Are you unaware that the entire empire is at your beck and call? Whatever you wish to have from any region, you have only to tell me. I shall secure them for you and bring you joy. Inform me, what is it that you fear? What has brought this sorrow? Do not withhold anything or hesitate to speak out. As the sun scatters the mist, I shall shatter the grief that smothers you. Dasharatha fondled and flattered the queen and tried various means of consoling her and restoring her spirits. Kaikai kept in her mind the advice that Mantara had given her. She resolved that she must secure from her husband a promise on oath before revealing her bitter wishes to him. To induce it out of him, she displayed exaggerated and seductive love and wiped the tears from her eyes. She held firm the hands of the king so pitiably enslaved by her enchantments and so greatly enamored of her charms. She said, Lord. I have no resentment against anyone, nor has anyone done me any harm or dealt me any insult. I have no craving for anything from any distant region of the earth. But I have a long-nourished desire, I must admit. If you swear an oath, you will fulfill it. I shall tell you what it is." She enticed him with a smile playing on her face. Dasharatha too smiled in response and, sidling a little towards her, said, Oh, you foolish queen! For this one simple affair, why was it necessary for you to put on so much of temper and cause so much of anxiety and anguish? Hear this. Among women, you are the most dear to me and among men, Rama is most dear to me. You are both my very breath. You know this well, don't you? I cannot survive a single day without feasting my eyes on you and him. Therefore, I swear on Rama himself. Tell me what your wish is. I shall fulfill it without fail. When he declared thus on oath, with both her hands in his, KK was overwhelmed with joy. She rose and sat up. She demonstrated even more love towards him, for she was glad he had changed into a well-wisher of hers. She asked, O king, you have sworn on Rama, he is the witness to the oath, is this genuine? She made her position doubly secure, saying, Lord, you are a watery of truth, you are the highest among the righteous, you are endowed with. Sovereign might and majesty, you must have in your memory the war between the gods and the demons. Yet, let me remind you of that exploit once again. That day, when the demon Sambara slaughtered all before him, you struggled desperately to defeat him. Had I not guarded you and nursed you into life, keeping myself vigilant and alert, you know what would have happened to you. You appreciated my devoted sacrifice and declared, K.K., you rescued me from death itself. What can I give you in return? Whatever it may be, ask me two boons. I shall fulfill them and repay the debt I owe you. The gratitude I have to Evans. You desired that I should name the boons you offered to Grant. But I felt then that your coming back to life was itself the most precious boon for me and so I replied Lord I have no boon to ask from you now I shall present my request for them sometime later keep them with you in reserve for me I pleaded with you you were elated at my attitude and expressed your admiration you said you liked my renunciation and declared that the boons will be kept on trust so long as life lasts and can be drawn upon with no objections raised all this must be fresh in your consciousness aren't they you are the monarch of the earth you are faithful to the plighted word. therefore give me now the two boons of mine that you kept in abeyance on my behalf make me happy thereby i do not demand any new boon from you i ask only for what are really mine i need not remind you You know very well that it is a heinous sin to refuse to give back riches placed in trust in one's hands for safe custody. If you say now that you cannot grant them, you will be injuring me with that breach of faith. I cannot bear the disappointment. Rather than live with that sense of defeat, I consider getting rid of life is more honorable. When the husband does not honor the word given to the wife, how can the wishes of the people in the kingdom be realized? An emperor who stoops to deceiving his wife, making her believe him and then acting against that belief does not deserve the position of protector of his subjects, does he? You know that the lawgiver sage Manu has laid down that such ungrateful kings should not be treated as monarchs. Why should I dilate further on this point? and repeat a thousand arguments. In case my boons are not granted this day, Kaikai will not be alive at dawn. Announcing thus, she burst into loud weeping and wailing. Dasharatha was rendered helpless and weak by her histrionics, like an innocent ear that is drawn into the net spread for his capture by the imminent cries of the hunter. Dasharatha overcome by cooings of love, and drawn by the entrancing gestures of the queen fell into the trap like an insane, ineffective man. He vowed solemnly, I shall certainly give you the two boons, holding her palms tightly in his. No sooner were those words uttered, the eyes of Kaikai bloomed white and bright. She watched, the face of Dasharatha intently for some time and said, O king, this day I have realized how good you are. This day you have proved the genuineness of your claim that you will never break a promise once made. She started extolling Dasharatha in this and other ways. The love-lone emperor was highly elated by her praise. He urged her on with the prompting, Keki, why do you delay further? Ask, ask for the boons. Keki hesitated. She stuttered. <laughs> With the arrangements made for the coronation of Rama, perform the coronation of Bharata, my son. This is the first boon I demand. Next, Rama, wearing matted hair and deer skin and dressed in tree bark raiment shall go into the Tandaka forest and remain there for 14 years as a forest dweller. This is the second boon I ask for. Bharata must become the heir apparent with no one obstructing his path. Rama must be sent out into the jungle before my very eyes. Grant me these two boons and maintain the honor and dignity of your line untarnished or else assent to the extinction of K.K.'s life this very moment. Thus declaring she stood up and started wildly in a determined stance like a demoness. The Emperor was crushed by the cruel bolts that rained on him. Was it a dream? Could it be true? Was it Kaikai who asked for these spoons? Or was it a bloodthirsty monster? Could it be a terrible hallucination of his? Was it a wild trick played by some horrid illness? He could not gauge. So he cried. Kaikai, is it you there? Or... Is it some ogress who has assumed your form? Tell me first who you are. Like a person who has lost control of his limbs, he tottered, unable to mouth the words he wished to speak. He rolled listlessly from side to side like a madman, his eyes looking wildly all around. Suddenly, sparks flew from his eyes as he gazed at Tecai. He exclaimed in terrible anger, why, Lumen, what exactly is your aim? Is it to uproot the entire clan line? What injury has my dear son Rama done to you? He loves you even more than he does his own mother. How could your heart agree to send my Rama into the thick, dark jungle? I took you so long to be a princess. Now I find you are a feminist cobra. I allowed you to infest my home out of sheer ignorance. How could such a sinful idea enter your head when Rama, the very breath of my life, is being acclaimed by every being that breathes? If imperative, I am prepared to give up the empire and even my life. But I cannot give up Rama. No. You crave that your son be hailed as emperor? Well, him so, I shall go to the forest with Kausalya, Sumitra and others taking my Rama with me, but I can never send Rama alone into the jungle. This is impossible. Give up this atrocious, sinful desire. Give up the hatred of Rama that you have cultivated. hey tell me frankly, do you really desire that these things take place? or? Is all this merely a stratagem to find out whether I have affection towards your son Bharata? If so, you can ask that Bharata be crowned your Raja, but there is no meaning in asking that Rama be exiled into the forest. Such a desire should not be entertained or expressed lightly. Kekai, Rama is the firstborn son. He is the repository of all virtues. The years of his reign will be most glorious. You have told me often that you are looking forward to the time when such golden dreams will come true. And now, you want that self-same Rama should be sent into the forest? What is the deeper meaning of this request? Are you joking with me? If it is all a joke, why this scene in the Hall of Anger? Why this rolling on the hard stone floor? Jokes do have limits beyond which they become pitifully cruel. I cannot entertain the idea even as a joke. No, I can never be separated from Rama. Kekahi, you have been behaving like an intelligent woman all these years. But now your intelligence has been crooked and wicked such perversions are always harbingers of self-destruction it is a heinous sin to endure the good of course the good will not be affected by these tactics the stratagems of the wicked will only promote the fame and glory of the good they might appear hard to bear only for some little time your wicked plans appear to me to be fraught with disaster to the Ikshwako dynasty itself. For until this moment you have never spoken an unpleasant word or thought of an inauspicious act. I find it impossible to believe that it is the same one who is asking me such things today. KKE, you are all along afraid of transgressing the codes of moral law. You are anxious to win the grace of God by means of each little thought, word and deed. Where has that fear of unrighteousness gone now? What have you done with that devotion to God which kept you on the path of righteousness? What is the gain you look for when you want Rama to ascend to the forest for fourteen years? His body is soft and tender like the petal of a freshly blossomed flower. He is most charming to behold. Rama is so enticingly beautiful. Of what profit is it for you if he suffers unbearable pangs of pain in the forest? In this palace, there are many thousands of attendants and maids. Can any one of them point a finger at him and say that he is faulty in any respect? Well, leave alone our palace. Can you bring from the capital city any single person Can you name anyone who blames Rama? He has discovered many a mystery and relieved them with gifts and riches. He has shown great consideration for them. He has noticed many who are homeless and provided them with houses. By his love and care, he has won the affection of all people. That you should harbor hate against such a lovable son strikes me dumb. I cannot find words to describe your devilish cruelty. There are many who exploit their own subjects and act only to foster their own selfish interests. Such demons are appearing in good numbers today. But in your eyes, due perhaps to the age or your own past sins, persons who assuage the wrong gun to the poor and the distressed and foster their advancement, those who directly enquire into their difficulties and problems and effort relief. Such good men appear bad, deserving exile and punishment. Everyone in this empire relishes listening to the virtues of Rama and takes great delight in recounting his goodness. While they feel exhausted in the fields, farmers and laborers sing songs of Rama and his charms to make their tasks lighter When I came to know of this, I was filled with joy. How can your heart agree to inflict on such a compassionate soul this excruciating sentence? This very evening, when I placed before a gathering of sages, elders, ministers, leading citizens, scholars and many experts in statecraft the proposal for the coronation of Rama, no one raised a note of dissatisfaction or dissent. On the other hand, they praised Rama in countless ways and declared that it was the fruit of the merit that they had accumulated in many past lives that they could now secure as hair apparent and lord, a spiritual hero who had mastered his senses, an embodiment of selfless activity and having unflinching loyalty to truth. They indicated their joy by continuous Jai Jais. Is this treasure of my love this favorite of my people whom you seek to send into the forest? Whatever you may say, this is certain. I will not send my Rama into the forest. And listen to this also. The coronation of Rama shall take place tomorrow. It cannot be cancelled. Dasharatha announced this in an outburst of pride and courage. At this... Gaikeyi assumed a terrific form and retorted. Maharaja, remember, a few moments ago you vowed under many oaths that you will grant me the boons I ask. And now we are going back on a word. Now, who is dragging the glory of the Ikshwaku line in the dust, you or me? Ponder over this. It is the pride of the Ikshwaku line that no one Of that dynasty shall go back on his word once it is given. You are now soiling that fair fame. Without weighing the pros and cons, you promised to grant without fail the boons I wanted. The mistake, if any, is yours, not mine. You gave me the boons, then you promised to grant them today. You are the very person who gave your word twice. Consider your honor, your status, your dignity when you deny the words you spoke then and now. It may be common usage for the rulers to injure and insult the weak and act contrary to promises solemnly made but it cannot promote self-respect. Those who break their promises and cheat women are savages, not sovereigns. When rulers slide into this savagery the subjects will naturally resent and reward. The kingdom will fast become demon dumb. All these years you have striven to acquire honor and renown. And you have won them to a large extent. Now the infamy of breaking the plighted word is on your head, not on mine. Recollect the carriers of the kings of old. Take good care that you do not act counter to your vows and oaths. Ponder well. You are proceeding along a path that is atrociously bad. Beware! You are moving against the dictates of dharma. Well, were you as intelligent as you are reputed to be, you should have first ascertained fully the nature of the boons I wanted before you gave the promise. You did not look before and after You were enchanted by my words and you gave word that they shall be granted. And now you blame me when I ask you to fulfill that promise. Consider how seriously you are mistaken in this. How foolish you proclaim yourself to be. You accuse me for having given up my fear of the unrighteous act, my devotion to the divine and my counting this reprehensible cruelty. But what about you? You are acclaimed as Dharma Vrata and Sammana, a strict adherent of the vow to be righteous in word, thought and deed, and equal to God. What name can you claim now when you are going back on your oath? Pronounce judgment on yourself. The cleverness that dives and discovers the faults of those before you isn't commendable. If one dives into one's own faults and failings, and is vigilant that they do not lead him astray into wrong and sin, that way of using the intelligence is commendable. Kings and rulers are highly intelligent. They are taken to be all-knowing. If such as you do not benefit by self-examination, but are concerned only with self interests what right have you to blame us as selfish and narrow-minded? You granted the boons. It is a fact. You took an oath. It is a fact. You broke the oath. You went back on the given word. It is also a fact. Reflect within yourself whether these three are true or not. You are deluded by attachment to the son. You are enslaved by fondness of the wife. So, you dump your promise into the waters. I am not the culprit. It is you who have done wrong. For, It is natural for a mother to be attached to her sons. Every woman who is a mother will learn that her son must rise to a position of the highest authority, that of the monarch of the realm. It is a prompting of nature. It is a bounden duty to see that her plan is unassailed by others. It is only natural that she plans in advance to contract all possible assailments. I am only carrying out my natural duties and responsibilities. Remember, there is nothing unnatural or wrong in my conduct. When Rama is crowned as higher apparent, his mother Kausalya will become the Rajamatha, the Queen Mother. My son will stand with folded arms awaiting the command of Rama, ready to run errands for him. He will fall at the feet of Rama While reporting to him about the task he has accomplished for him, it may be that he will be reprimanded. No, I cannot be a witness to such scenes. I will be so humiliated that I cannot live a day longer. Better far to drink poison now and die than look on at that shameful condition of my son. I am declaring this as an oath taken in the name of my son Bharata whom I value as much as my breath. I shall not be satisfied with anything less than exiling Rama to the forest. With these agonizingly harsh words, KK fell on the floor and started sobbing and groaning in a fit of heart rending sorrow. Dasharatha bet his head in despair, he said. KK, has anyone advised you that this calamity will befit you? or has some evil spirit possessed you and forced you to utter these desires? What is this absurdity, this ridiculous madness, sending Rama into the forest and crowning Bharata? Why not wish well for me, your husband, for Bharata, your son, and this king of Ayodhya? Give up this desire fraught with certain calamity. Think deeply over the consequences, or else you and I, and your son, all three, will become targets for the direst infamy. It will not end with that. The entire kingdom will be ruined and many more tragedies are bound to take place. Mean, degraded woman. Can we ever believe that Bharata will agree to get himself crowned, even if I now accept your request and promise to do so? Bharata is a true adherent to Dharma. He is intelligent and a model of rectitude. He will not agree either to exiling Rama into the forest or to himself becoming the higher apparent. Not he alone, but the ministers, the courtiers, the allies, the sages, the commons, the citizens. Everyone will oppose your desire. How can you be happy when so many are unhappy? Consider the situation. You are responsible for this. The elders and sages endorsed it. They were all of one mind. This evening, at the Grand Assembly of Citizens, I announced that I shall celebrate the coronation of Rama. If I act counter to that announcement, I will be counted as a coward who runs back from the battlefield at the sight of the enemy. All arrangements have been completed for the coronation. All have been informed about the festival. The people have started preparing the city for the celebration. The streets are already packed with happy throngs, with faces shining in expectant joy. At this moment, if I send Rama into the forest, will not the people laugh at me, saying, What, this man has finished three chapters, the coronation, the rulership of the realm and the exile, all in one single night. In what manner can I explain my action to them? And after what I have publicly declared in the midst of the mammoth gathering of the populace. How harshly the people will blame me, feeling that their king is such a big fool. I ruled over them all these long years and won their applause as a consistent adherent of dharma, as an embodiment of high virtues and as a redoubtable hero. Brave and full of courage. But now, how can I bear the dishonor of being talked about as a fool who plunged into this low level of conduct? Dasharatha spoke in this strain, reminding her of the hard blow that his fair name and unblemished fame will receive if he acts according to her desire. Nevertheless, KK transformed herself into a demoness of destruction and brushed aside Dasharatha's importunities as if they were empty words and she did not attach any value to them. She refused to yield or loosen her hold. On the other hand, her grip became tighter every moment, her greed more deep-rooted. She spoke quite contrary to the appeals of the Maharaja and insisted on reminding him only of the promise from which he threatened to resile. So Dasharatha said, KK, if it happens that Rama goes to the forest, I will not be able to live a moment longer. And I need not tell you what will happen to Kausalya. She will draw her last breath that very moment. And Sita, she will be mortally shocked. She cannot live even a second away from Rama. Will the people look upon all this with equanimity? When the great hero, the paragon of wisdom, Rama, is being sent as an exile into the forest. Can Lakshmana keep quiet? Why detail a thousand things? The very next moment, Lakshmana will cast off his body. This is the bad truth. Thus, our kingdom will have to suffer all these catastrophes and calamities. You two are aware of this string of tragedies, but I cannot understand Why you are attempting with eyes open to win a widow's role? Oh, wicked vile soul, I was deceived by your charms. It was like cutting one's own throat while charmed by sword of gold. I drank the cup of milk, unaware that it had poison in it. You cheated me with many a winsome trick. At last, you have planned to consign to the dust my dynasty itself. Shame on me! What a fool I am! I secured this son after performing a scriptural yaga, a sacrifice. Divine grace gave him unto me. Am I to barter away his fortune and his future for the paltry pleasure a woman gave me? Is this worthy of His Majesty Emperor Dasharatha? Will not the meanest being in my kingdom hurl stones at me in derision? Alas, is this to be the fate of Tasharatha in his last days? I clasped a thing round my own neck, not realizing that it was a rope that strangles. I never knew that it was the deity of death with whom I dallied and diverted myself so long. Alas, I flirted with death and fondled it on my breast. I treated her as my favorite comrade and companion. It is surely the weight of my sins recoiling on me now, or else was there anywhere at any time a father who for the sake of a woman's bed drives his son into the fearful forest as an exile? Ah, what strange behavior is this of a human being? I am unable to believe this in spite of everything, K.K., Change your foolish thought. Rama will not go against any word of mine. The mere report of these happenings is enough. He will prepare himself to move into the forest. He will not even ask the question, Why are you anxious to send me into the jungle? He is of such sterling virtue. Why mention only Rama? No one of my sons will disobey any of my commands. Bharata will be disgusted when he hears of your plan. He may even ignore the fact that you are his mother and behave quite inexplicably. He may be ready for any dire step. Rama is his very life, his vital breaths, all the five put together. He may do something to defeat your pet desire. That is to say, He may exile himself into the forest and ask that Rama be crowned. He is of that stamp of goodness and rectitude. I am wondering at your crooked intellect, which cannot grasp the workings of Bharata's mind. Keki, wicked designs are precursors of self-destruction, as the saying goes. This design has entered your head, presaging your ruination, remember. You are bringing on the fair name of the Ikshwaku royal family, an indelible block. You are plunging so many into fathomless depths of grief. You are bringing about the end. Can so many lives be hurt for the sake of this fell desire? What happiness do you hope to have after perpetrating all this? Even if you do achieve your goal, will that be ananda? Can you call it so? Oh shame, those who exult over the sorrows of others are in truth sinners of the darkest hue of demonic brute. Those who strive to cause joy to others, those who yearn that others be happy, they are the holy ones. You are a queen, you are a princess of royalty born, yet you are not conscious of this elementary truth. You are a disgraced royal blood. One final word Rama is my very life without him I cannot hold on to life No, I cannot continue to live He will not disappoint you So, though I may not order him by word of my own mouth to go into the forest He may on hearing of my oath and your desire himself proceed thereto in order to make my word valid He won't delay or debate And as soon as I hear the news of that event, know that I draw my last breath. Lakshmana, Sita and Kausalya may in all likelihood follow Rama. Kausalya cannot exist alive apart from Rama. Sita will not stay away from Rama. Lakshmana cannot walk except the footsteps of Rama. Urmila too may proceed along with Lakshmana into exile. There will be none here then to perform the funeral rites of this body and days will elapse to get Bharata and Shatrubhna from the Kekya kingdom. Till then, this will have to lie without the ceremonial. Perhaps the people will rise against me for having descended to this low level of wickedness and condemn my body to be thrown as carrion for crows and vultures since it does not deserve decent disposal. Perhaps no, for my subjects will wait until Bharata arrives, embalming the corpse by some means or other. Bharata will never agree to accept the throne and be king. Under such circumstances, he is not entitled to touch the body or perform the funeral rites. Come, at least promise me that you will have my funeral rites performed by him. He pleaded. He said, Of course, I am sure you are ready to promise me, sir, for you are after the Ananda you hope to derive from a widow's life. What is it that you hope for? Tell me, O wild viper. You have turned into a demon at last. Are you undermining and laying under the earth, the Raghu clan, this royal line? Is this the upsurge of your basic nature? Or is it some mysterious divine fate that docks your thought and forces you to act against your will in this strange way. I find it beyond me to gauge the secret. While Dasharatha was being tortured in mind like this, the night rolled on into the third quarter. He groaned like a man in great pain, afflicted with some mortal illness. He was caught in the coils of agony. Dasharatha tried his best now to win the affections of KKE and persuade her to accept the coronation of Rama. He began to flatter her in honeyed words. O Queen, you are the embodiment of auspiciousness and prosperity. I treated you so long as my very breath. You too fostered and guarded me as if I was your very heart. Come let us spend the remaining years without giving room for scandals about differences between us. Let us be peaceful and happy during the rest of our allotted lives. Oh, charming princess, I will not live many years more. Throughout my life, I have famed as a steady adherent of truth and all men honoured me on that account. I have sworn at the public gathering that Rama will be crowned tomorrow as hair apparent. Consider how my subjects will despise me if the function does not take place. Consider how they will cast insults at me. You saved me that day during the battle between gods and the demons. Are you giving me up now when something worse is threatening me? This is not just or proper. Well, I shall endow on you this entire kingdom as dowry. Crown Rama yourself tomorrow. Bharata too will be very happy if you do this. Not merely he, ministers, Sages, elders, scholars, common citizens, the entire populace will appreciate and thank you for this. Your fame will last eternally on this earth. Instead, if you create obstacles in the way of Rama's coronation, the whole world will castigate and condemn you. Even your son will find fault with you and fall full of you. Your cruel fancy will bring ruin on you. Besides. It will cover this royal line with shame. You will become the target of the fi that the smallest of the land will sling at you. Reflect over these possibilities. Earn eternal renown. Stop the stratagem to prevent the coronation. Crown Rama with your own hands tomorrow. Dasharatha described the joy she could derive from the generous act in sweet enticing words artfully put together. He hoped to enrapture her at the prospect of herself crowning her apparent, but KK interrupted him and said, King, your words strike me as strange and meaningful. You are trying to slide back from the promise made on oath. To cover up your skin, you are spinning fascinating yarns. No, a thousand such tricks will not induce me to change my stand. You said on your own, ask any boons you desire, I shall grant them. And now, instead of acting on that promise, you exhibit a fine bunch of sighs and groans? This does not become you. You are, by your own conduct, undermining your reputation and honor. I am in the least responsible for this distress of yours. Recollect the pronouncement of those who are masters of dharma, that satya, truth, is the parama dharma, highest principle of righteousness. I too have based my request for the promised boons on the same principle of dharma, and as befits a follower of dharma, you too agreed and said, Right, they shall be granted. Nevertheless, you have started imputing motives to me, that I am thrusting you into unrighteousness, that I am set upon committing an unpardonable sin, that I am attempting to bring lasting infamy on your name. This is most improper. It is thoroughly unjustifiable. I am absolutely innocent of any wrong in this affair. You made the solemn promise without a thought on the past or the future and when that promise had to be put into action, you suddenly become confused and desperate. The fault is yours, not mine. Those who promise and are not willing to act accordingly are sinners of great magnitude. Act as the promise directs you to. Then, the truth you have maintained will itself wash off any related sin. Don't you remember? In the past, Emperor Sibi sliced flesh from his own body as food for an eagle pursuing a dove for prey. So too, Emperor Alarka had pledged his word that he would give whatever was asked from him. He was a king of unique splendor. And to keep up his promise, he plugged and gave a Brahmin his own two eyes. Look at the ocean. It is the lord of all the rivers yet. Bound by its vow, it limits itself between the shores. Instead of transgressing them. Why repeat a thousand examples? For all things, for all men, truth is the highest authority, the highest ideal. Truth is Brahman. Truth is the primeval sound. It is Dharma. Truth alone undergoes no change or diminution. Royal Majesties like you should not give up the imperishable for the sake of the perishable. Hold fast to the promise you made and ensure lasting fame and glory for yourself. That is the right thing to do. Do not yield to delusive attachment to the sun, deceptive sympathy for women. Do not overrule the dictates of political idealism and royal obligation. Do not tarnish the Ikshwaku dynasty with irredeemable dishonor. Don't plan otherwise. Call Rama to your side and tell him to get ready to proceed to the forest and set on food preparations to call Bharata from where he is now to this city. Instruct the ministers concerned to attend these matters without delay. See, the eastern sky is getting bright. These two boons must be realized before dawn. However long you argue, I will be content with no less. If, on the other hand, you are adamant and you consummate the coronation of Rama, I am determined to end my life in full view of the thickly packed assembly. This is my vow. This shall happen. Dasharata watched Kaikai, raging and swearing, angry and fearful. He could neither demonstrate the rage that was surging within him, nor could he suppress it. He was like Emperor Bali who promised three feet of land to God in the form of Vamana, but discovered that he could not fulfill that promise, for Vamana measured the entire earth with one foot, The entire sky with another foot and stood asking for the third foot of land that had been gifted to him. Dasharatha dreaded the curse that awaited him for breaking the rules of dharma. His eyes were dimmed with doubt and despair. His head became heavy on the shoulders. He fell on the floor where he stood. At last, mustering some courage, he shouted, ''O sinful woman!'' If the coronation of Rama is cancelled, my death is a certainty. After that, you can rule over this kingdom as a widow, as freely as you wish. Giving vent to his anger in this train, Dasharatha cried out, Alas, Rama, has it come to this that I have to send you with my own consent into the forest? No, I will not send you. I will rather give up my life. I cannot keep alive a moment Apart from you, oh, vicious demon, how could your heart entertain this dark plan of sending my lovely and tender Rama into the thick, dark, wild jungle? Horrid fury, what a monster have you become? And with that, Dasharatha swooned and soon lost consciousness. Night was melting before the brightening dawn the nine instruments of music at the palace gate heralded the day in while Vasishtha beckoned Sumantra, the minister, and said, Go! The auspicious hour fixed for the rite of coronation is approaching. Many preliminary rituals have to be attended to. Go and inform the Maharaja that his presence is urgently needed. Convey the message that Vasishta is waiting for his arrival. Sumantra being an old faithful had the freedom to enter any of the inner apartments of the palace. So he hurried into the chambers of Queen Kaikai in search of the emperor. Entering the hall where the royal beds were, Sumantra was shocked out of his wits. He was aghast at the sight of the emperor fallen on the floor. Are my eyes seeing aright? He wondered. He lost his moorings. He went near the king and said, King, this morning must find you like the sea at moonrise, heaving with ecstasy. I cannot understand why you are lying prostrate on the ground. The auspicious hour is approaching. The great sages learned in Vedic lore are ready in their roles, waiting your arrival at the hall of ceremonies. Rise and wear royal ropes and jewels and come into the hall accompanied by the queens in lustrous imperial splendor. The sage Vasishtha bade me hither to bring you into the holy precincts of the throne. Listening to his importunities, Dasharatha could not restrain the outbursts of his grief. He wept aloud and spoke to the minister between sobs thus, Sumantra, your adulation pierces my heart. Sumantra could not take a step forward nor could he move a step backward. He stood transfixed where he was. He prayed with folded hands. Maharaja, why this turn of events? At a time when you have to be immersed in ananda, why this grief, this piteous weeping? What is the reason behind all this? It is beyond my understanding. When Sumantra stood hopeless, sunk in sorrow, Kekai intervened and said, Oh, best of ministers, the emperor spent the entire night without sleep in anxiety about Rama. If you can go immediately and bring Rama with you here, the mystery will be unraveled. I am telling you this. Do not misunderstand me, but bring Rama here quickly. Sumantra took her instructions as the commands of the sovereign. He hastened to the residence of Rama. At the entrance of that palace, he saw on both sides long lines of attendants and maids carrying huge plates containing gifts of silk, jewels and gems, garlands and bouquets, scents and sweets. It was a delight of eye, but Sumantra did not stop to cast a look at them. When he hurried into the palace, he felt Something lacking all this festivity. He was overwhelmed and nonplussed. The joy that he had felt earlier had turned into sorrow. Riding in his chariot towards Rama's palace, he had noticed how the hundreds of thousands of loyal subjects who filled the streets talked among themselves that he was on his way to bring Rama into the coronation hall for the ceremony. He saw their faces blooming in joyous expectation. They scarce winked their eyes, lest they miss some incident or facet of joy. At last, Sumantra stepped without any question asked into all sections of that seven-storied mansion. As a fish dives noiselessly through the depths of a fluttered river, Sumantra glided through the corridors and halls of the palace. End of chapter 10 Sai Ram.